Today, we're in the trenches with Jeremy Levier, AE at Lead IQ, and Alexine Boudoir, AE at Displayer. One of the things that really just never gets old for me and that I love doing is talking to reps actually out in the field, doing the work on a day-to-day basis, what they do to stay motivated, you know, what they're doing in their cold emails, how they approach their cold calls, how they look at their personal brand. And I love doing that because, again, I know I've said this before if you're listening to the podcast a bit, but talking to other folks like myself that are coaches, consultants, trainers, there's a lot of really great you know, information they get from working with an array of these types of folks, but talking to the people actually doing it and having a good balance in our interviews and our content is really what I like doing the most because then we can get super in the weeds and give you things that are super tactical with your prospecting. Before we get into the interviews today, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, my name's Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting, and my goal in this podcast is to help you think outside the script in your prospecting and share proven tactics and strategies to help you land more meetings with your ideal clients. What I always like to say is that I you know, love helping you know, any kind of sales rep that enjoys crushing quota, but hates it when they spend a ton of time personalizing an email and the prospect never responds. So we're going to get into how to send better emails today. Uh, we're going to really dig into them with how they cold call and how they approach personal branding. Uh, Jeremy specifically is very into video, so he's going to talk about how he uses videos to land meetings. Um, Alexine has this thing that she shared on the podcast previously called the triple threat, um, and it's essentially this multi-channel approach that she uses where she combines phone and, and email and LinkedIn to get appointments, but uh, it's going to be a really fun one. It's an audio excerpt from the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour, so if you haven't checked that out, make sure to check it out. It's live. It's free, and essentially what we try to do here is make it the exact opposite of most of the virtual summits out there. So there's nothing pre-recorded. We come in live. People get to participate and ask questions, which you're going to get to listen to here. And the big thing is that uh, we don't want to just bombard you with 15 or 20 talks over two days. We're still going, so if you're listening to this at the time it airs, we have about two or three more weeks. The last uh, episode of the virtual tour is going to be on October 8th with Morgan Ingram, but you can check out all the replays. So we've done a lot of cool stuff with a lot of different folks, and it's 100% focused on prospecting. So check that out. It's tour.blissfulprospecting.com. It's also in the show notes. So if you open up your phone there, you should see a direct link to check it out in your show notes where you can click, sign up, check it out. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. So I am really, really excited for this talk. Um, Per usual, if you've been on these before, hit the Q&A. So there's a Q&A button at the bottom of Zoom there. That's where we're going to be answering questions. And we really want to customize the content for today. So we have a lot of talking points, but hit the Q&A. Let us know. We'll try to get to as many of the questions as we can. And I'm super excited for these panels. We're, we did a couple of these on this tour. And the reason why I like them is uh, both Jeremy and uh, Alexine are quota-carrying reps. So they're actually doing this every day. And it's really interesting to hear their perspective on, because they're both really good at prospect. And that's what I'm super excited for. But uh, to introduce Jeremy Levier real quick, um, he's sort of known for, at Lead IQ booking 69 meetings in a single month as an SDR in his second full month at the company. Really impressive. And he won the 2018 Sales Development Rep of the Year Award at the Sales Development Conference. And he just got promoted to AE, what, six, ago, six months ago? 
seven months ago, Jeremy? It was, it was actually about a year ago now. Time flies, oh. Jason, you know? <laughs> the bio. I got to update the bio, man. But Jeremy, yeah. good to have you on, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh, yeah, been about a year now. Um, four complete quarters, and I've been above, above quota all four quarters. So we'll, we'll just continue try to try to stay there, you know, and, and keep, uh, keep rising up. <clears throat> No, yeah. Welcome to the tour, man. I'm excited because Jeremy, uh, I followed, I've followed a lot of his content. He posts a lot of things on how he prospects and a lot of our clients end up following him and using some of his stuff too. So um, next up, we have Alexine Boudoir. Uh, she has seven plus years of SaaS sales experience. She's won President's Club numerous times, uh, high achievement recognitions. Um, and outside of her day-to-day sales role, she also serves as director of community development for Enterprise Sales Forum, board member for Chicago Sales Enablement Society, and she's also an adjunct professor, professor, I can't talk today, uh, teaching sales courses for Victory Lap and Rework Training. So she's really involved in the sales community outside of her job, which is super cool. Uh, Alexine, welcome to the tour. Great to have you on. Thanks. I'm so excited. I'm in good company here, so this will be great. So I figured a good thing to get started with you two is just like a quick story. Um, and we can start with you, Alexine. Do you have a quick story about a deal that you closed that you got through some sort of cold outreach and that sort of stuff? Yeah. And I love, you know, I'll preface this by saying I love a cold call close story because they just get me the most excited. Um, my largest deal to date is actually from a cold call, like a legitimate cold call. And um, so I started the sales process. It was actually my second or third week in sales, like ever. And so when I reached out to the company, the first, I mean, first of all, we didn't have like any of the tools that really worked that well, you know, we didn't have like a lot of data sourcing tools. So to even get to the guy's phone number took me like weeks to get through gatekeepers and get through people. So I finally get to this guy and I'm so excited. And I'm like, here's what we do. Like, we can help you out. And he's like, I hate your company. And I was like, what? (laughs) You know, what a weird way to start a cold call. And so um, it was so interesting because I didn't have that much sales experience at the time. But I was like, well, can you take me through like why you hate our company? You know, what happened? And he's like, I saw a demo three years ago. It sucked. Like what I, you know, and we started to dig into it and he really hadn't seen our platform in years. So, um, so I mean, a lot of back and forth. I finally got him in front of another demo. He finally admitted that he liked the software, but they still weren't going to buy. He was like, we're not, we're not going to buy from you. Like we have a vendor we've been using forever. We're good. You know, but thanks for showing it to me. So for every single week for an entire year, I did sometimes twice a week, but always once a week touch points. And we had probably in that time, three different like initial deals that I could have closed that would have been like a kind of a quick win, like a 35 K deal. And maybe if I just like, you know, took it, um, but it wasn't our strongest use case. So I didn't feel good about like that. That was going to be a great way to start that client out. So I waited and waited. And finally, down to the exact week, um, a year later, we ended up closing the account. And within that first year, they did close to $200,000. They're still one of the top 10 clients for that company to this day. And they're now doing, I think, over $300,000 consistently every single year. So I mean, just truly checking in constantly, like fully relationship-based sale, but it was nonstop for an entire year, just like pounding and trying to get in there. So it's always my favorite deal, but also one of my more frustrating. <laughs> that is some major persistence there once yeah. or sometimes <laughs> twice a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That is insane. Um, and we're definitely going to dig into 
you know, some things that stick out about that story are how you were able to get this person's contact, you know, eventually working with the assistants and the gatekeepers. And I think persistence is definitely something that people are going to want to hear about too. Uh, great story. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah. So I'll share, I'll share a story that kind of incorporates um, a lot of different channels and touch points and, and ways of reaching out to people, multi-channel approach. Um, so with this account, um, it actually started on LinkedIn. Um, so one of my favorite ways to identify who I should possibly reach out to is seeing who viewed my LinkedIn profile. I check that at least once a day. And so I sent a connection request to this person. They were a BDR manager at a mid-market SaaS company um, and connected with them on LinkedIn, then went to some of the other profiles of other people at the company, connected with one of their account executives because I saw he posted something about Rainmaker, the SalesLoft conference, and we integrate with SalesLoft. So I figured, hey, you know, that could be a good trigger or my way in here if I know they use that tool that we integrate with. So I connected with him on LinkedIn and then kind of just you know, slow played it. And I wasn't super aggressive. Like I connected with them and it wasn't until like three months later that I actually started the, the sales outreach and, and Cole called the account executive and he kind of brushed me off. You know, he told me that they were doing a trial with one of our competitors though. So now I had more information and intelligence here. Um, and then I cold called the SDR manager. Um, but you know, I wasn't able to book the meeting quite yet sent him an email. And in the email, I sent him a video. And because I had his cell phone number, I took the song 8675309 Jenny. <laughs> I love that song. I sent a one minute, one minute video of me playing the guitar, which I don't even really know how to play the guitar or really hold it the right way. I think that actually works in my favor because people like get such a kick out of these videos that I send them. And so I had the lyrics to the song on one screen. I had lead IQ showing the cell phone number for him on the other screen. And I just changed the lyrics instead of 8675309. I changed it to his cell phone number for the guy that I'm sending this video to. And, you know, instead of saying Jenny, I said his name and I sent the video to him that that turned into the meeting that initially booked um, the, the initial demo. And then a couple months later, it ended up being a trial that we did with a different decision maker there. And then a few months later, uh, closed a $75,000 deal with them. Wow. That's a big deal for considering the number of seats that that would have taken for, for lead IQ. That's, that's pretty cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's I, awesome. one, one funny thing I didn't know Jeremy about you until I talked to Scott Ingram. Cause I was like, yeah, you see those videos that Jeremy's posting. He's pretty good at get the, the, at the guitar. And what's funny is I play the guitar. So I wasn't mm-hmm. even paying that close of attention and then I listen and Scott's like, yeah, he doesn't even really know how to play the guitar. <laughs> so, so I look at the video and I'm like, oh man, he doesn't know how to play. He definitely doesn't know how to play the guitar. <laughs> and I'm also a terrible singer as well, but I sing anyways. And another deal where I sent a video and me singing and I'm just like, it's so bad that it's good. Like, you know. <laughs> and I'm singing and I'm just kind of rambling, but there's like this guy replied to the email VP of sales operations and strategy for a company. And he was, and he, his word for word, his reply, hopefully it's okay if I swear is <laughs> his reply in the email to my cold email was ha ha. This video is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and three months later, they're now a customer. Um, you know, it got a response because he replied and he was like, 
I, you know, I, our team is using Vidyard, but that are not really using it like this. I sent this video to our whole sales org and, you know, a couple of weeks later, booked the meeting and then three months later, they're a customer. So, you know, breaking through the noise, sometimes it, it helps to be a little creative and think outside the box. I love that. Let's start with that. So with how do you guys look at approaching a prospect? It sounds like there's a certain element of, hey, the sequencing needs to be sound, right? I need to reach out enough times. But I'm curious, how do you guys insert sort of your personality or a creative approach? Like what is even the thinking for someone that wants to get started with? Like how do I really stick out and be different than just a regular old cold email that just doesn't really elicit any emotion at all from a prospect? How do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think, I don't, you know, it's so interesting because I think COVID really shed the light on this, like, need for hyper-personalization. Like, I think it was always, like, hyper-personalization was always the approach that worked, but we all kind of got away with some, you know, a little bit shysty emails, like, over the last few years where you'd send, like, a batch out and every once in a while you grab, like, one or two and you'd, be, you'd get some meetings out of that. Like, those days are kind of gone right now. So I think, you know, first and foremost, um, this has just kind of created this tunnel vision where we have to do this hyper personalized approach. So for me, you know, I try to take from what is available to me. So I'm a super, I'm super big on social. I'm super big on phones. So my kind of combo effect of that is looking at their LinkedIn, looking through their activity history, like seeing if there's consistencies with the kind of people they interact with, with the kind of posts that they like, or the kind of content that they're sharing. And then cross-referencing too with um, anything that's on their profile or a lot of times for my subject lines, for instance, I'll just take like there was a VP of talent that I kept prospecting into and in his profile, it says I'm trying to fight the war on talent or something. So then my email mm. is titled the war on talent. And yeah. then sometimes mm. like people don't even realize that that's in their profile. So they're like, wow, she read my mind. It's like, you know, no, I read your profile. But so <laughs> I think there's like a lot you can glean just from that. And then you can start to like, I try not to get too creepy into like, like, I feel like Instagram might be like a little into like gets a little creepy. Um, mm. I don't know. Facebook, I feel like is somewhere in the middle. Like if you see something that sticks out, but there's, you know, it's really about just looking and seeing what's available out there and kind of getting a little bit studious about who you're reaching out to. And you can also kind of see their personality a little bit. Like if you look through their activity history, you really get a sense for what people are like and you can kind of tell if they have like dry humor, if they're kind of like, you know, just you just lean little insights there too. So I definitely think like the activity history on LinkedIn for me is the easiest way for me to kind of capture someone's attention just to get to know them that way first. I want to point out something really quick about what you mentioned with the subject line. I see this works so effectively, especially that little personalization snippet mm -hmm. or whatever you might do to open your cold call with or your video. If you can mention something specific that you found on their LinkedIn or website or any other personal social profiles that indicates something that they have some sort of emotion towards, like they really like something or they really despise something, mm -hmm. typically one of those two things, if you can find it, is definitely going to get them to at least open the email. But again, it really sticks out and makes them feel like, oh, this, like Alexina is a person that is reaching out to me and she noticed something about me. It's not just a salesperson. I'm not just a prospect. Like this is going to elicit some sort of emotional response. That is like the, one of the easiest hacks I've seen for creative subject lines is just to use the prospect's own words. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. phones, it's like kind of similar to like phones are interesting too, because that's like a really quick way to differentiate yourself as well. Like you just kind of start those calls out, like rather than just like product dumping on someone or like, this is why we're the best vendor. 
if, you know, you talked about pattern interrupts, I think early this week, or someone did a post about that, like that's, you know, just thinking outside of the box and how we even take phone calls too. you know, rather than just starting out, like, how's your day going? Or like, how's the weather? Like, Hey, I saw you commented on this. Like, what do you think about the article? I actually read it after you, like, just wanted to shoot, you know, or like, what do you have going on this weekend? Just like little things that kind of take the conversation in different ways. It's so simple. Like there's no science to it, but those are good ways to stand out too, as a salesperson, because you think about these people, some of them have like 12 of these calls in one day. Yep. And it's all like discovery. Like they're so you, they know our process now, some of these prospects. So if we can kind of like switch it up a little bit, at least make the conversation a little bit more interesting and not approach them in like this robotic, like creepy, like I don't like to be approached that way. So I just try to kind of approach people the way that they would want to talk to a human being. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hard not to do it. Like I find myself falling into the trap, um, but I try not to ever start a cold call or even if it's a scheduled call by saying how are you doing you know it's just like it just screams sales call hi this is jeremy at lead iq how are you doing like it it, it just gets it yep. this icky feeling you know like you said the pattern interrupt um but yeah i mean in, for me um you know just to piggyback on some of that like subject lines and i it's funny this this came up in conversation because i just commented on your post yesterday jason about this um you know with like you put if you're putting three things kind of personalized in the subject line what i actually sometimes will do you know and alex and you mentioned you know um different social media platforms i use this a lot with twitter um i'll, I'll and it doesn't work for everybody because you know not everybody has a Twitter, you know, and if you can't like, if you click contact info on their LinkedIn, it doesn't always go to a Twitter, like about 50% of the time it does, you know, mm -hmm. but I'll click on their Twitter, click follow, what are they following? And I'll pick three random things, you know, <laughs> and that will be the subject line, you know, and, and they'll be like, I love that. <laughs> they'll be they'll they'll be like in their head they're thinking like what is this like some type of artificial intelligence like how did he do this but it literally took me like two clicks and then I just looked at it and then you know they see you know some random person that they used to work with that they're following on Twitter Tina Fey and like you know some local radio station that they listen to they're like wait what how are those three you know, and, and so that you know it, 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 that type of personalization um, it really you know stands out in their in their inbox um, but like two quick things I would say to for my for me personally that kind of triggers me to think a little bit differently um, about trying to stand out and be creative um, with prospecting and really trying to like break the norm of just kind of the, the typical boring template emails and strip the scripts. Um, two things that happened to me. Um, one was before I even started working here at lead IQ um, that kind of triggered me to want to work here. Um, Ryan O'Hara is our VP of marketing here. Um, I knew, knew him even before I started working here. We've known each other since we were like 18 years old, like lived in next town over but when he was at a previous company, they did a campaign that was a video campaign that was actual like rock videos. They were only one minute long videos, but they like they took there was people at their company that were actual musicians. And, you know, they did some, you know, fancy video editing with just their marketing team. And they, they took five dream accounts, like their five like biggest accounts that they really wanted to work with. And they made customized, personalized, like actual music videos where only, I think it was the, the middle 30 seconds were, um, 
were the same in all of the videos. And the, the first um, 15 seconds and the last 15 seconds were different um, and were personalized for that company. Out of those five accounts, they got four out of the five to reply. Um, only one didn't reply. And or I think all five replied and four of them turned into customers. You know, so that kind of really triggered to me, wait a minute. You know, like it, you don't necessarily have to be all boring and, and overly professional and formal, like, yep. you know, and these were enterprise companies and, and it worked, you know. And then the second thing that happened to me when I first started working here, we had these cadences or sequences that were really just more buyer persona based. There wasn't really any personalization in them except for, for we had three of them. One was for VPs of sales, one was for directors of sales operations, and one was for SDR managers. All of them were for software companies with 50 to 500 employees. But other than the title, you know, that role and title, nothing was really personalized. And we sent out these emails that were the messaging was supposed to be aligned with each of those buyer personas. But out of the first like 200 emails, we only got like three replies and all three of them were people saying, take me off your list. So that's yeah. when I was like, hmm, wait a minute. You got to like dig a little bit deeper than, than this and, and personalize it a little bit more. And that's when I really started to um, dig into being able to do that. <clears throat> and that's when my success and, and replies and meetings book started to skyrocket. Let's spend some time on this personalization piece because I'm looking at the Q&A and a lot of people are asking questions about this. And this is something that both of you are pretty good at finding like little clever ways to kind of tie in what you do. So I, the general theme that I'm seeing, and we'll get to some specifics here in a second, is that people are kind of apprehensive to pick something random that might feel too personal that is not necessarily directly related with their business value prop. So let's get to this first question. Scott asks, does anyone ever ask, how did you know about that? Like, how did you know that about me and find it a bit too much? Yeah, I think this is like such an interesting, so this comes up and this used to, I don't know if people remember, like if you're like five or so years into sales, like you might remember this. Like we went through a whole wave of where people were like, how did you get my phone number? Like, how did you find my email? So like this kind of is the next wave of that, I feel like in some ways. Um, but for me, like, I always just own it. Like, Hey, you know, I didn't want to send you some templated message. So I thought, why don't I just be creative? So I looked through your Twitter feed, it, you know, it was public. I looked through, um, LinkedIn, but I really wanted to tailor something specifically to you when you reached out. I think it's all about how you, um, your tonality and how you kind of combat it. Like you don't want to come back to them and be sketchy and, you know, you can't be like, I just guessed that like, that's weird. So, yeah. I mean, the only way mm -hmm. to answer that, I feel like for me, when I'm, when I get those kind of questions, I'll just say, like, I was trying to stand out and do something that was a little bit more innovative and different to get your attention. Cause I know you're probably getting the same type of emails all day, you know? So yeah, radical I mean, transparency, um, just being honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To piggyback on that, you know, I just um, feel like if you think that it would be a little weird and creepy, then just don't do it. Don't say it. Um, a couple examples, <laughs> a couple examples though, um, of where I use kind of personalized stuff, but you know, it actually worked. Um, I was selling to CIOs at my last company and um, CIOs can be really hard to reach um, via mm -hmm. calls and emails. And this one would not respond to any calls, emails, nothing. Um, but I clicked on his LinkedIn and then connected with him on LinkedIn. Uh, we were connected on LinkedIn for a little while and I tried chatting with him. He didn't reply back, but I clicked on his Twitter and he was very active on Twitter. This guy has like over 6,000 tweets. Um, wow. 
And most of them were either like anti-Trump tweets, but also a lot of like photography stuff. So he's really into photography. And, you know, I would just kind of like and comment on some of his photos saying, oh, that's really cool. Like, where did you take that? Whatever. And, um, you know, and, and then do we just slowly kind of develop the relationship that way? And he didn't find it creepy, um, you know, because he that's his professional Twitter. Like it says right there in his Twitter bio, CIO of XYZ, you know, organization. And most of it was stuff about Trump or, or photography stuff, but a lot of it was stuff about his work as well. And at the end of the call, this company where I was at, I wasn't really scheduling demos. I was scheduling like, you know, introductory kind of, you know, just discovery meetings at the end of that initial, um, needs assessment discovery call, he said, the last thing he said was, thanks for liking my tweets, you know? And, and so it kind of it meant, meant something to him. And then another example was this guy that would not reply to any calls, emails, like 10 emails, all personalized. He didn't reply to anything. And then after that, um, I went on his Facebook and I saw Miami Hurricanes football fan. Um, I used direct mail, went on Amazon and had one of those pennants that you put on your wall. Miami Hurricanes pennant um, delivered to his office. And the next day he booked a meeting um, and he replied to one of my emails. So, you know, and I think he had said at one point on one of the calls, he was like, hey, how did you know that? How did you see that? And I was, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's on, on Facebook. You know, I saw that, you know, and, and he, well, he didn't care. And, and now we have a really good relationship and I'm working to deal with him at his new company. So, you know, as long as you're not weird about it, you know. Yeah. I think that's the key. Like you said, don't be weird about it. If they ask you about it, be totally honest. And if it's public and you can just look at it without becoming friends with someone, especially like on their Instagram or Twitter or whatever it might be, it's not creepy. It's not creepy. It's a totally public profile. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would be weird is if you knocked on their door, right? (laughs) Or talked about their kids, you know, or something like that. Don't do any of that kind of stuff that hopefully that is obvious to you. Uh, when you're prospecting to people that you shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. So Scott, that should answer your question. Leica, you asked a very similar question around that. That should get to yours as well. Um, I want to talk about video real quick because this is part of this process. I know, Alex, and you're getting into video and about to try a bunch of uh, some of this stuff too. So I'm curious your thoughts. But uh, Jeremy, with videos, I know the biggest challenge for many people, including myself, is just getting someone to freaking click on the video and watch it, right? Any Mm -hmm. tips... And a couple of people are asking about that. Lizzie's asking about it, actually. How do you think about getting someone to actually click on the video? Yeah, so, you know, there's uh, the, what are the two things that come before the video itself? One is the subject line uh, of that email. And then two is the lead-in, the, the, you know, or teaser, you know, the lead-in yep. or teaser. Um, you know, I usually, if I send a video to somebody, um, I put the subject line says something about, you know, I'll, I'll keep it really light and informal. I'll say something. I'll, my subject line will just be like video time, exclamation point, you know, <laughs> video time. Like I'm all excited. Hey, vi-, you know, video time, exclamation point, And then there'll be a little emoji that is like a video emoji, you know, um, you just, you know, right click and then click emojis and then you type video and then it shows up right there. Um, and then I'll, you know, I'll keep it really light and informal. The, the lead in is just like, Hey, so-and-so made you this really cool video, you know? Uh, and then, boom, there's the video embedded into the email. Or I noticed that blah, 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 insert trigger, you know, trigger event, you know, made you this really cool video. That, that's really it to, um, you know, get them to respond. But it's really to get a response to a video or get a response to any type of messaging. Um, it's really about warming up that 
making it less cold and making it more warm um, and having some context um, behind your outreach. So you're really not just kind of reaching out to this person completely out of the blue. Um, a lot of the outreach that I do is people that either already viewed my LinkedIn profile, like that example I gave earlier, or it's somebody that I'm already connected to on LinkedIn, or, um, you know, I look in my CRM and I see we had a closed lost opportunity six months ago with this account. So they already know who we are, you know, or, you know, if it's like a free trial sign up, um, where they signed up for free trial six months ago and now I'm reaching out to their boss. So it's kind of more warm, you know, little things like that that you can kind of try to warm up that cold outreach, uh, then they're going to be more receptive to it. Yeah. I think with that preview line, you know, that little snippet right above the video, it's got to be something compelling. You know, it could be, uh, had an idea for you to improve your cold outreach. If I'm prospecting for you guys, right. Something mm -hmm. around that, like, what are they going to see in that video? Because, in most cases, what I've seen is videos sort of lost its luster in terms of like, oh my God, I got a video from someone. It's not as special anymore. So you need to have some really good, you know, what am I going to get when I click on this thing? And people are naturally kind of suspicious uh, too yeah. of things like that too. Yeah. And I think, you know, as well, if you can, you know, they see that thumbnail, you know, and to get them to actually click on that, there's a couple of ways that you can increase the chances they actually mm -hmm. click on that by looking at that thumbnail image, you know, by, you know, being creative, like, you know, and I think most people, they just kind of do the thing where, you know, you write on the whiteboard, you have a whiteboard and then you write the person's name and you're look, you point at it and you wave, like everybody does that, you know, but if you, if you're a, a prospect and you look, you get a bunch of videos, probably only one of them is going to be some goofy looking guy holding a guitar up, you know? <laughs> and so I'm not saying like, Oh, you have to do guitar, you know, but just like, maybe it's a harmonica. I don't know. You know, uh, be a little bit because they're probably going to see that. And there's not going to be anybody else sending them videos with a drum set or a harmonica or something like that. This, the second way is some, you know, and, and obviously this isn't something like everybody can do, but you know, it gives you an idea of the path that you can kind of go down and do something similar is if I'm sending a video to somebody in Chicago, I'm wearing my Michael Jordan throwback jersey. If I send yep. a video to someone in Seattle, I wear my Sean Kemp throwback jersey. If I send a video to someone in Atlanta, I wear my Dominic Wilkins throwback jersey. You get the idea. I have a lot of throwback jerseys. Um, and, and so, um, <laughs> but, you know, even if you don't, maybe it's like, you know, a t maybe you went to Seattle and you got a T-shirt that says something about Seattle and you wear that. Like, who knows? You just, just kind of think a little bit out of creative, creatively and out of the box with it. So Jeff Bajorek, what's up, Jeff? Uh, he commented in there. He said, uh, I wrote you a song. Want to hear it? That's a perfect example of something you could put above a video, right? That's when you're like, oh, you wrote me a song. Cool. Like definitely going to check this out. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So Cameron asks, so this is a pretty tactical thing with video. Yes. Do you recommend sending video as a second or third touch so that the link doesn't get blocked by firewall. And I have some thoughts on that too, but that, how do you guys think about videos? And like, do you send it in the first email? Do you wait? Where does it come into play in the sequence? I usually do it first, um, you know, just because oftentimes if I'm sending a video, it's like really personalized and, you know, it's like a video where I'm wearing an Atlanta Hawks throwback jersey, lip syncing to the song Welcome to Atlanta by Ludacris. Like, I'm doing something like that, or it's I'm taking the person's cell phone number and singing the song, like changing out the lyrics for 8675309 Jenny. Like, I'm doing something really crazy like that. So if I'm doing that, I'm doing that in the first touch to really, mm -hmm. like, get a response. And generally, 
I haven't had that happen where I've had much for much issues with that link to the video getting caught in spam filters. Um, it's usually, you know, if it's like, um, if it's an attachment or if it's a, a link to like an external like white paper website, usually, you know, if it's like an embedded video link, it, it's usually okay. Um, and, and doesn't like get blocked by firewalls. Um, but if I see it doesn't get a response, um, to the first one, you know, in that first email, then I'll just send them that that same video via via LinkedIn, and then of course you don't really have to worry about firewalls and email servers blocking it if you're sending it via LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it too. I mean, I'm starting to play around with video. Jeremy is like the guru of the video on this call, and uh, you know Morgan Ingram, like another perfect example of someone that's just crushing it. Um, the interesting thing, you know, I definitely use LinkedIn when I am sending them and I also do it as a first touch as well, because I feel like that's, I'm really putting in that effort and exerting that so that that will be like the first touch with that person. That's going to be what they remember. I will say, you know, given today's climate too, I think it's like important to note this too. So I just recently accepted a new offer. Um, and I used video for the first time in my interview process. So it was much like a sales process. Um, but that was a huge differentiator because what happened was every time I sent those to chief revenue officers, they would immediately respond just like super excited. They're like, nobody sent me like a video like this. Just, and I'm telling you, it wasn't like anything that outlandish. Like it was three key summary points from our conversation. This is what I enjoyed. I shot them on my iPhone. I sent it via LinkedIn. I mean, Mm -hmm. little things like that. I mean, this stuff is great for prospecting, but there are a lot of people kind of on the market or starting to think about, you know, you know, making moves. So think about this too, for other aspects of life, because that in the interview process, I think really set me apart because the job that I ended up accepting, there were 243 applicants and um, to my knowledge, nobody else sent a video. So um, there was only one role open. So, you know, I think at this point, not only do we need to do these things for prospecting because the market is so no- uh, like so noisy right now, but then also for ourselves when we're trying to sell ourselves as a candidate to places too, this is a great strategy just to kind of differentiate you too. Oh, I love it. So one last little bit on creativity here, because a lot of people are asking about this too. And Miriam asked this, essentially saying that her industry is pretty conservative financial services and she's scared that or terrified is what she said of it being received badly, like might make her look unprofessional. So how do you think about like kind of where to draw the line depending on the industries? Cause I know like Alexine, you, you have a very different persona than Jeremy. Yours is more technical. Well, actually it's, it's different now at displayer, right? Is it more marketing? Folks? Yeah, it's more well, more like market research focused. So yeah. still a different, yet a different market, but my last market was like the CIO, like a very yeah. conservative kind of, so how did you think about creativity with that, Alexine? With, I mean, because technical people are sort of notorious for being hard to prospect to, right? Yeah. And you're able to do a very good job with it. And I know you have yeah. experience with this too, Jeremy, but like, Alexine, how did you approach creativity? And like, did you draw the line at some point? Or were you ever fearful that I might be doing something that they would think is unprofessional, like anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there's like, there have been emails that I sent that were like cheesy where I used like a song lyric as a subject line and people didn't like it. Or one time I was like prospecting into a pretzel company. So I like took a selfie in the kitchen with this bag of pretzels and I got like a not interested back. And I was like, man, I thought that was like at least a little creative. It was like their brand's uh, pretzels, you know, whatever. So it's kind of, you know, sometimes you swing and you miss. Um, I think for for those personas, it's interesting. I think we have this perception that they're going to be super rigid and 
um, that they're not fun people. So maybe we're almost like creating this barrier that might not exist yep. because once I'm actually in, like I have clients that are of that persona, I've had them over the years and some of them are like super fun people. It's just, we make this assumption that they're kind of like this dry personality. So I think, you know, if anything, it's at least shaking up their day because what's happening is all the other salespeople are also having that same perception and they're hitting them with this like super technical jargon and an email. Like these are still human beings. Like even though they're yep. tech savvy, like they don't necessarily want to read through your like 16 line email about, you know, X, Y, Z that's super complex. Like they don't want homework assignments if you are reaching out to them. Um, so I have heard from, and we have actually done sessions with clients after they signed on and kind of like interviewed them for the sales team to ask them like why they were open to it. And a lot of them said like, you're, you know, depending who the sales rep was, you know, they were creative. Like they reached out with a different type of messaging than other people in the market. So I wouldn't let that necessarily dissuade you. Um, you know, I think to Jeremy's earlier comment, obviously be wary. Like if you feel like it's weird or too kitschy or something, then like maybe veer off from there. But if it's you sending a video to, you know, like Jeremy's doing with a Jersey that's up there, you know, that's their city. I mean, what's wrong with that? Like that should resonate with anyone that's from there. It doesn't matter about their title. So I would say get creative with it. And also I'm a huge advocate and proponent of AB testing. So like yep. try it on a subset, like try it on at least like 50 people before you make your, your analysis and say that this did or did not um, become successful. So, you know, test it out, see what's resonating. And even if you set meetings with people, you can even ask them like what, like, I love asking, you know, what, what made you decide to take a meeting? Like, I'm just excited to hear what stood out for you. And you'd be surprised. Like a lot of times it's not like, oh, your third bullet point in your email was like super fascinating. Like if it's something you said or something you did yep. and that's what caught them. So one quick comment on that is a really good way to just kind of test the waters is you have existing clients, like you mentioned that fit these personas, just start sending videos to them. Or through the sales process, as you're as a follow up to a call, send a video. Just see what people think of it. Yeah, that might be a good way to get comfortable with it too. Um, Jeremy, any thoughts on the uh, how you approach? You know, whether or not because you've you've sold to these technical kind of folks too, that might be a little more buttoned up than a sales or marketing type mm -hmm. of uh, persona. Yeah. So a um, couple things I would add. Um, you know, one is personality mirroring, and so mm -hmm. you know, maybe tread lightly in the beginning. Um, in, in terms of being creative and like using humor, things like that, um, more so mirror, mirror that person. And so an example of that, you know, um, I gave that example of, you know, the CIO who was really active on Twitter and posting all these pictures and, you know, so I was wor working that, in, that into my messaging, another CIO. He would post pictures of, you know, um, the view he had by, his, by the lake that he has a, you know, a vacation home in a lake. And, you know, he's got a picture of the scotch in a, in a tumbler glass there, you know. And so I sent, I replied to his tweet with a picture of me sipping a whiskey out of a glass. <laughs> I normally would not, you know, it, it, I, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't just send that. I wouldn't just tweet at a CIO a picture of me sipping a whiskey out of nowhere. But it's personality mirroring. You know, I did it because, because he did it. And that built rapport. Now, that CIO of a Division One university who probably gets hit up by a million people, I, I have a relationship with him now. You know, I'm standing out. You know, all these people try to, he even like his admin, his executive admin even told me like, oh, this guy, he never takes meetings with anybody. Like, I don't know how you got in his calendar, you know? Um, 
but anyway, so that's kind of one example. And then again, going back to that example of, you know, that um, Ryan O'Hara at his previous company died when they were selling to all these IT people. They were, you know, CIOs, IT directors, and people in charge of, you know, systems, systems administrators. Those were very technical people. And those music videos worked as well. And then the last thing I would also add is, um, you know, for every, I'll, I'll gladly take those odds. I'll push the envelope, you know, and, and take that chance that maybe somebody's going to be offended knowing that there's going to be many more people where it'll actually work, you know, and maybe that one person gets offended by it, but nine out of those other, those other 10, you know, one of them got offended, nine of them. I mean, I booked a meeting that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten a response from that person, you know, so I'll gladly take those odds. And, you know, even that person with, you know, Alexine that said not interested, you know, when, when she sent that video with the pretzels, like that's a response. That's a yeah. response. She can now move on to somebody else. It probably he probably didn't say not interested because the video with the pretzels that got the response. He probably just said not interested because maybe he's all set. You know, it's not the timing is a little off. He, he already probably has like a maybe he's not the right decision maker or you know he's working with a competitor, whatever it might be. You know, but at least that's a response and that's now you can get somewhere. Obviously, as it's the cliche is no is the second best answer in sales. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think too, with all of this, like, um, I think now more than ever, like this video and like as close as we can get to in person is great too. The interesting thing with like technical points of contact and they're always like so fun for me. Cause I'm, I have like a weird nerdy side. So like I end up like building really good rapport with them somehow. But, um, but I do think like there were, there was an instance, there was one company that um, the guy actually, he was their CIO. I think he viewed my LinkedIn profile in the same way as Jeremy. If anybody views my LinkedIn profile that I'm prospecting, mm-hmm. I'll shoot them a message and be like, Hey, um, you know, whatever. And I realized his office was like, say six blocks away from us. So I was like, and I was actually only a week into my new job at the time when it was, so we, I wasn't even supposed to be prospecting, but I sent him a note and no one was working in Salesforce. So I was like, Hey, would you be open to just meeting? I, you know, Hey, I'm sure you could tell from my LinkedIn, I just started this company, but I'd love to, you know, I could bring one of my colleagues, like just talk to you, learn a little bit more about you. And he's like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't do in-person meetings. I was like, have you ever been to Soho house? And the guy's like, no. And I was like, cool. I'm a member there. Do you want to go to Soho house? And he was like, Oh hell yeah. So we like went to Soho house. We took him to lunch, like did all this stuff. Turns out, and this is like, you know, this is my fun fact. So I'll never be able to use it again. I have a first degree black belt in Taekwondo and a lot of oh, people wow. don't know that. Um, so I did Taekwondo. <laughs> I competed nationally for many years That's and cool. his, he had like a child that was really involved in martial arts. So for probably 45 minutes of lunch, we just talked about Taekwondo. So just, you know, the reason I share that it's like a point of contact that we assume isn't going to be like super open. It's someone that we assume is going to be kind of standoffish that won't want to meet us in person. And in one meeting, we can just get rid of all of those assumptions and end up bonding over, you know, Taekwondo, which is random, but it works. So it's so important. Let's, let's shift focus a little bit. Cause a lot of people are asking about this too. And it seems a pattern with the both of you is that you're very persistent and you reach out to people a lot before you stop. And Miriam asked this essentially, you know, Hey, if I'm going to reach out to someone, like, what do I actually say to them? So like after your, well, let's actually step back, like with sequencing, how do you guys think about the message part of the sequence? Like, what am I going to say to this person if they don't respond to the first email or they don't call me back when I leave a voicemail? How are you guys thinking about how the message changes and what you share uh, throughout the sequence? Yeah, I think 
for me, what I try to do is create kind of like a threat, like where it makes sense. Um, so we've talked about the triple touch before, and I don't know if we're going to get into this more, but we, a lot of salespeople deploy this strategy. My first touch is with any account is like three touches simultaneously. So I have a bit more of like a tighten up cadence than other people might have. Um, so I like to like view their LinkedIn profile, get on the phone, leave them a voicemail, send in on that voicemail reference an email that I'm going to be sending. And so I kind of do, that's like touch number one for me, which is a lot more than, you know, other people are used to. The reason being so they can kind of see my writing, hear my voice, see my face. So they've kind of given them who I am from step one. But then as far as like sequencing goes from there, I think, you know, my initial message. So that's kind of my initial touch point. And I'm, you know, trying to keep things very basic too. like, again, we're not trying to give people homework assignments. Like I like to do like three really crisp bolded bullet points that if that like a toddler could read, like that's my MO when I'm trying to message. And then from there, I try to do like, you know, every couple of days, like my cadence will probably be for an account, two to three touch points per week if I'm, you know, really focused on them. And then I try to alternate, obviously, between phone, email, social. Um, social is like a super easy win. So a lot of times, you know, rather than every single touch being like bumping my email and now I'm on bump number six and I'm like on this like long dialogue about our software and nobody's even reading this. I'd rather go to like LinkedIn and write a comment and say like, hey, I just saw you publish this article. I thought this piece was super interesting. That's it. No ask, nothing about my company. Then the next time they post, I, you know, I, maybe I read it different. Like I tag someone on my team and I'm like, this was a cool article. Like take a look when you have a second, like we can work with our teammates and kind of do strategic stuff like that. And then when I go to reach out via phone, you know, for touch number four or five, whatever, then I'm saying, you know, by the time I'm reaching out, they kind of know who I am. So that's what I like to do. I like to kind of make sure they know who's reaching out to them. But I try to keep the actual messaging itself super concise and simple and just digestible. So it doesn't feel like work more work for them. I'm a big fan of the that triple touch, you know, that trip, uh, prospecting uh, that you talk about. Because I mean, if you just think about what it's like on the receiving end of getting some of this stuff, when you get a cold call from someone, you may or may not listen to the voicemail. And then you never get a call back from that person or any reference that an email is coming or a LinkedIn. So it's just like a, it's just someone random that's calling you and it's hard to kind of put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing with that is it's really humanizing you and kind of putting the pieces together for the prospect. Uh, what about you, Jeremy? Do you have some really intricate stuff that you do with sequencing too? How do you think about sequencing? How do you approach a prospect? And how do you think about the message? Like what is like the mm-hmm. content uh, of what you're actually going to say, especially further on? through the sequence if the person doesn't respond to the first email? Yeah, so um, I have like, I, I go by the rule of eight emails. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I got this, uh, it's not like I, you know, invented it or anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's all kinds of studies that have been done and everything. And uh, the thing that really kind of triggered it for me was Heather Morgan, um, sales folk. Um, mm-hmm. She wrote an article um, a couple of years ago that said like, she kind of did some studies on it and found eight is kind of the magic number. If you give up um, before you've sent the person eight emails, you're giving up too early and you're missing out on opportunities. Um, But the challenge is most reps don't know. They're lucky if they can craft one or even two emails that have any insight or value or personalization. So they're like, what the hell am I supposed to say in eight emails, you know? And, um, you know, they, they'll have one or two emails and then all of the rest are just, 
and I'm not even a prospect. I don't make any decisions here at Lead IQ. I get emails sometimes and, you know, email three, four, five, bubbling this to the top of your inbox, you know, like, like Alexine was saying, you know, just, just bumping this up, you know, seeing if you got my last email. Um, so kind of an example of some things that I will say, and it's like, okay, how do you say, you know, what are you going to say in like five, six, seven, eight emails that actually have any value? So some examples, um, just for what we, for what I sell here, you know, if I'm able to figure out something that they use for a tool that we integrate with, um, like if they use outreach, for example, I have two, that's two different emails. One email, I can show them a little gift that we have that kind of just shows, it's like a two or three second gift that shows how our integration works with outreach. If I know that they have, out, now I'm personalizing it. I have another email I can send them that is an actual outreach account executive posting on a, it's a screenshot of him commenting on a LinkedIn post recommending Lead IQ to people. So that's two different emails that I can have in my back pocket if they use outreach. Um, you know, common connections. If I go on their LinkedIn profile, I click mutual connections and I connect with a lot of our customers, you know? Um, and so if I see any, I'll scan that list of mutual connections. If they're a customer of ours, I'll mention that. I'll name drop. Hey, and I'll even put subject line 47 mutual connections, you know, the exact number, you know? And, um, and I'll say, hey, one of our 47 mutual connections is, you know, Josh Schwartz. Here's a screenshot of him messaging me, telling me that they were buying Lead IQ and how excited they were to implement it. You know, there's a screenshot of that, you know. So that's something I'll say in some of the emails. Another way I'll kind of customize it is data. You know, obviously, it's some of, one of the things that we have is data, and I'll personalize it by research. Not, and I'll take no more than five minutes. I'll look up their company, see who do they sell to by looking at the case studies on their website, and then run a list you know, of the, of what data we have for prospects for that particular company, um, you know, and then I'll run that list in lead IQ screenshot that and send it to them in an email. And I'll say, Hey, you sell to this particular type of buyer. Here's some contacts we have, you know, for that buyer, you know, screenshot, you know, and that's another way that I can personalize that. And I can scale that because I'll save that screenshot on my computer in case maybe other people that I'm looking to sell to sell to a similar buyer persona. Um, you know, so those are just some examples. And then of course, like linked, like, um, you know, Alexine said, LinkedIn activity, I'll go to their LinkedIn profile. And here's one example where this person commented on a post where he said a challenge for their team has been finding, you know, quality contact data in Europe in, in the EMEA region where their current provider was really just more focused on getting data in North America. And so he commented on that. And so now I have two emails that I can send him. One is a screenshot of me replying to his comment on that post, you know, saying that, hey, check your email. I think I have a solution for you. Wink, winky face, you know, send that screenshot. And then another email I can send is more data, this time just for that EMEA region region. So that's two emails. Now I'm up to what? Eight emails that I've sent this guy now. Um, you know, an, another example is, um, you know, well, I guess that kind of, yeah, that's, that's, that's like eight emails right there. But so that's just, you know, uh, an example of how you can kind of get to like eight or nine emails. And then lastly is if you have like multiple values of like, three, if you, you know, at least your, your product can probably help them in at least two or three different ways. Well, space those out. That's three different emails. So, you know, when I reached out to this guy, one of my emails was about getting cell phone numbers. One was about the EMEA Europe contact data. One was about the outreach integration, you know, so I'm hitting him with multiple ways, you know, so if one of them isn't valuable to him, then the other one will be. So, so many things there. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things that really sticks out is 
if you can create like kind of a library of snippets, cause you're going to come across mm-hmm. very similar situations every time. And if you can have these plays ready to go, personalization will take less and less time every time you mm-hmm. do it. So having these yep. plays ready that, you know, work, if you're an AE or anyone doing full cycle sales, pay really close attention to the things that really like light bulb moments for the prospect during the sales process, uh, questions that they ask, problems that they have that they're asking you about. All of that is like, that's an email right there. Hey, not sure if you're experiencing this, but I was on a sales call the other day and they asked me this. Here's a way we solve for that, right? So um, I think having those snippets is really big. And so with you guys, so if if you have eight emails, let's say, how many of those would be bump emails that are kind of like the any thoughts kind of emails versus just like their own emails that stand alone altogether? I don't do any bumps. Um, you don't do any bumps. Okay. No, because I deal onesie twosies, there's no, there's no value. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, uh, there, there's no value in that, you know, um, you know, I, I have three off the top of my head. I think actually four different times where um, I've sent somebody you know, nine, 10, even 11 emails. Um, and then they finally, it took like nine, 10 or 11 emails. And out of those four, all four turned into meetings and three of them are now customers. Um, yeah. And I didn't do any bumps, like all of them, there was value and, mm-hmm. and it takes more time, but people are going to be more likely to be receptive um, and, and actually respond and, and respond positively to those emails I'll find. Got it. Yeah. Is this I've way seen, better? Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah. I love that you have all of that content. So in terms of the sequence, how do you get, how do you guys look at getting email and phone? We'll have to make this kind of quick. We're about to run out of time here, but how do you make email and phone work together? So if you've sent an email to someone, how do you keep what you're saying over the phone fresh when you go to call someone? Cause I'm assuming if you email eight times, you're probably calling them four or five, six times as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, I just will kind of reference, um, you know, the email and I'll just say, hey, um, at the same time, though, you don't want to reference a failed attempt. Mm-hmm. I kind of will approach it more cold. Like if that person, if that person picks up on my cold call and I've already emailed them six times and they haven't responded, I'm not going to like, you know, that's one of the golden rules in sales, you know, don't reference a, f- a failed attempt. I'm not going to say, hey, I've emailed you a bunch of times and then you didn't respond immediately psychologically in their head. They're going to be like, oh yeah, that annoying pesky, I don't want to talk to this guy. You know, yeah. so I kind of approach it cold, um, you know, um, but if it's, if it's, they haven't really, um, if it's an email, I'll kind of reference the voicemail though, you know, and I'll say, you know, subject line of the email voicemail for Jason, you know, and then they're like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Let me, let me listen to that voice. I think I got a voicemail and they hear my voicemail and then the voicemail I'm directing them to the email, you know, so it's part of a strategy and, um, that they can hear, they, they can tell what's going on. And you're kind of referencing, you know, if I get them on the phone and I see maybe they, they didn't reply to that email, but they maybe viewed it a couple of times because I can see in like outreach or sales off, they got a bunch of views. I'll maybe reference that. Hey, you know, I don't know if you saw this email, but I sent you this crazy like guitar video and they'll be like, oh yeah, we fo- I forwarded that to my whole sales team and haha, you know, now you kind of have some rapport out of the gate. Well, one thing that I want to point out there that you said too is if you're using multi-channel, as someone that's prospecting to someone, you have to make the prospect feel like it's a multi-channel experience. So you're talking and referencing phone calls that you're made or voicemails that you left in your email and then vice versa. So you're getting the tools to actually work together instead of just using a tool that silos these outreaches. Like it has to feel like a multi-channel experience too for the prospect. Um, Quick thoughts on this too, Alexine? 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jeremy. Like, I try to approach it definitely from the cold aspect as well, because the quickest thing that can happen is you reference like, oh, I sent you whatever XYZ webinar link. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me go back to my email and watch that and get back to you. They're gone. So mm -hmm. I think we have to really think about what makes the most sense. So kind of like, read, you know, not that you could read the room on the phone, but like, you know, just try to approach it from a fresh perspective. To Jeremy's point, if it makes sense to reference, like if I actually truly think one of my touch points was like going to be gold for them and I like hyper personalize it, maybe I'll reference that. But I also don't like referencing like failures or like, I don't want to be like, oh, I sent you six emails. Did you see them over the last week? And they're like, you're creepy. Like, you know, so it's, <laughs> I think you can touch, you know, get to it gracefully. But I do think um, just approaching the call from where I'm at is the best, the best. And we can kind of move forward from there. Um, but yeah, I follow a very similar approach. And then one thing I would add to that real quick, too, is um, one little thing that I will do is kind of, you know, allow, make it so that it's a multi-channel approach that feels that way to the prospect and, you know, kind of referencing those other channels with, with the, within each other. Um, people usually don't like to get pitched on LinkedIn, you know, and, and so, you know, you connect with them and then they get a pitch. It's like, ooh, uh, I'll just remove that connection, you know. And um, so what I'll do is sometimes. Um, if I'm connected to the prospect on LinkedIn, I'll send them my pitch via email and then I'll go on LinkedIn and then click message. And I, you know, if anybody is on here, if you're connected to me on LinkedIn, you know, I'm a big GIF, GIF person. I use a lot of GIFs. There's a GIF um, that if you just, you know, you just click GIF and then you type in the keyword, whatever you want the GIF to be about. You put curious and there's Batman going like this. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. And if you use that, you know, so what I, what I'll do is I'll email them and then immediately after I send them the email, go on LinkedIn, if I'm connected to them, I'll click GIF and then I'll just say to them point blank, just sent you an email, curious what your thoughts are. I hit send and then they see the GIF of Batman going like this. Hmm. I'm curious, you know, so that's just another thing you can do to have a little bit of fun with it and then have both of those channels referencing each other. Yeah. Without so pitching them on LinkedIn where they're yep. more receptive to it over email. I think this is the really scientific part of sequencing is like doing multiple, you know, double and triple touches at the same time across you know, different channels. Um, this flew by you guys. I just can tell in the chat here, people got a ton of value from it. I'm going to drop your guys' LinkedIn profiles in here. Go connect with Jeremy, say hi, connect with Alexine, say hi. Um, but what do you guys want people to do? Um, we'll start with you, Alexine. Where do you want people to go check out your stuff and follow you and all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm a LinkedIn queen. So stick on LinkedIn with me. Um, I love interacting with people. Um, send me messages. I'll, you know, always respond usually at like one in the morning when I'm a vampire <laughs> not sleeping. So just be ready. <laughs> but, um, and I'm also part of the Rev Genius Slack group. So I Slack with people all the time, share ideas. People have been like sending me a lot of like job seeking stuff right now. So I'm um, happy to kind of field questions, share any of my experience. If it's helpful to anyone, that's a win for me. So LinkedIn all the way. Sweet. Drop your LinkedIn profile in there. Make sure to connect with Alexine. And then Jeremy, what about you, man? Yeah, same for me. You know, um, find me on LinkedIn, connect with me on there. Um, if you just type Jeremy and then you start typing my last, because my last name's a little crazy. Um, you know, you can't really spell it. Um, if you just put LEV, you know, and, and then, the, well, the links are there. You don't have to worry about typing it. You know, Jason put the links in. You can just click on the link. Uh, I'm the guy with the flamingo suit. Um, happy to chat with people about any of this stuff and dig into it a little bit further.
I'm going to drop lead IQ in there too, just because it's a tool for salespeople if you're on here. So make sure to check that out. They have really, really great content and really great podcasts and all that stuff as well. A um, couple things before you take off. One quick favor I have, because there's going to be a replay of this that goes up later, is if you got value from this talk, please share it with one other person. So if there's another salesperson at your company that's like struggling with prospecting or want to know how to take it to the next level like these two, uh, share the replay with them. Um, this is going to be up for the rest of the summer. So make sure they check that out. And next week, we have Richard Harris coming on talking about go from going from hot to cold in your prospecting. And then Beck Holland is coming on to talk about sequencing and workflow and how to take all the stuff that you've learned today that you've learned in other talks and how to actually put it into a workflow and sequence it and all that good stuff. So Jeremy and Alexine, thank you again for coming on. This has been a blast. Thanks for having us. It flew by. I thought we were at like 30 minutes. I look up, it's over, but this was awesome. Thank you everyone for attending. Yeah, this was super fun. I, uh, I, I just, I get a lot out of uh, talking to those two. I really consumed a lot of Jeremy's content. Um, you know, as we were getting started with this, you know, several years ago and Alexine is someone, like I said, we had interviewed on the podcast before. So this is super cool getting to uh, dive in and do a deep dive with them. If you enjoyed this, definitely make sure to check out the tour. Um, I don't know how long we'll leave the replays up, but it's free. So tour.blissfulprospecting.com. We interviewed a ton of folks exactly like Jeremy and Alexine. And depending on when you're listening to this, there's still some more live shows coming up. So make sure to check that out, tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.